going to start with a little word study this morning. This is a Hebrew word. It should have a little dot under the H there, but I couldn't figure out how to do that on my laptop. Just, uh, just kind of let you know. So it's the word chayol. It's got that little ch in, uh, in it uh, that we don't use in English. I don't know that I do it very well, but that's how uh, I learned to pronounce this word anyway. So let's just think about this word. We're going to look at how it's used in the Old Testament. They're going to focus on a particular passage this morning. It's used about 246 times in the Old Testament. So it's a fairly common word. It's not, not, not an unusual word. Come across it periodically. It's translated with a lot of different English words depending on the context. And so sometimes it's translated wealth, sometimes worth, sometimes substance or strength or power, sometimes by the word army or valor or valiant, or sometimes it's translated by the English word excellent. So there are a lot of pitfalls to avoid when doing word studies. But one thing that we want to do, if you see a word like this, translated different ways in, in English, try to think of what's the common thread through all these words. What, what idea do they have in common? What's the common feature, common idea found in wealth and worth? Well, that, that's not hard to see. Substance would be similar to that, but, but then you've got valor or power. So what's the common idea that runs through all of those words? In Psalm 59 and verse 11, it's used of God's power. David says, scatter my enemies by your power. That's, that's this word. In Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 10, it's used of man's strength. If the axe is dull, a man must exert more power, more strength. And again, that's this word. That's a paraphrase, of course. It's frequently used to refer to wealth or riches. And so if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 8, for example, in verse 18, we're not to forget the Lord, but remember the Lord your God, for it is He who is giving you power to make wealth. And so it's that word wealth that is this word in that particular passage, but it's God who gives us power to make wealth. It's used of men of ability or mighty men or valiant men in, in war, in conflict. In the book of Genesis chapter 47, we find it used of men, men who have the ability to watch over a flock. So not everybody would have that ability or have that skill. And so, and so here are men who have the ability or the skill to watch over the livestock. And then 1 Samuel chapter 16, David is described in with this word. And so, and so Saul is looking for someone who can help him and soothe him. And so someone says, uh, one of the young men said to him, Behold, I've seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite, who is a skillful musician, a mighty man of valor, a warrior, one prudent in speech, and a handsome man, and the Lord is with him. And so He's a mighty man of valor. The word valor there is, is this word. And so it's a, a mighty man, a man of strength. We might even say a hero would, would capture some of these ideas uh, as well. And then it transitions to dis description of, of someone who is, 
has moral strength, moral integrity, a man of honor. Let's look at, uh, think about a couple of uh, examples of people who are described uh, in this way. We've, we've looked at David a moment ago, but in the book of Ruth, we find it used to describe uh, Boaz. You remember that story, Boaz, the story of uh, Boaz and Ruth? Well, Boaz, chapter 2 and verse 1 says, uh, says, Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And so, so really, if you understand the word, what you see is that he, he's making a comment here about more than just the wealth of Boaz. We, we might say he was a man of great worth. And so that idea would, or great value. And so that, that, that word would encompass more than just his, his bank account. It would, it would have something to say about his character as well. And the combination of words here in, in Ruth chapter 2 and verse 1 suggests that not only is he more than a wealthy man, but he is an outstanding man in every way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's wealthy, but his character is outstanding as well. And so he's just an outstanding man in, in every way. And so let me catch up here a little bit. Uh, not, but, but not only is, is this word used to describe men, we talked about David and Boaz, but at times it's used to describe women as well. And so when a woman is described in this way, all the attributes that we've seen applied to men would be found in her as well. And so we'll stay in the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter 3 and verse 11, Boaz says, Now my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask. For all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. That's, that's our word, excellence. That's, that's the word, that's this word, excellence. I'll do whatever you want me to do, whatever you ask me to do, because everybody in town <laughs> knows that you are a woman of excellence. Now, she wasn't wealthy. She was very poor, in fact. But her character was just uh, outstanding as well. And so here's this little overview of the Word. Now, we're going to focus on one particular passage where this Word is found. And so, go to Proverbs chapter 31. Now, having laid all that foundation, <laughs> let's go to Proverbs 31 and pick up in verse 10. An excellent wife who can find. Some versions might say, a virtuous woman or a virtuous wife. The NIV says, a wife of noble character. And so you can see why the translators are trying to find that word. You know, what, what is that one word? You know, when, you, when you're translating, you can only pick one word. <laughs> what is that word that encaptures all of these ideas? And so some say virtuous, some say excellent, all, all of them. Would, uh, would be good words, though maybe any particular one might be inadequate to capture all of these ideas. And so in this passage, Lemuel describes a wife with her husband and children. But we hasten to say that these qualities can be found in an unmarried woman as well. And so we want to think about the qualities found in a woman of excellence. 
as far as God's concerned, a worthy woman. You know, what we, what we do and what we say when we get up here, we, we preach and teach and all of that, what are, we, what, what are we trying to do? We're trying to just impose on people some arbitrary rules, do this, don't do that. Oh, no, really, we're trying to help people become excellent people, you know. We're trying to help people become the very best version of themselves from God's point of view. And so what we want to do is eliminate everything that would detract from that, from being the very best that you can be. And we want to emphasize and enhance the qualities that are going to help you become that person. And so just think about this passage in, in that light. And so this passage is going to help us become the very best person, the very best kind of person we can be in light of what God would have us to be. Now we're going to talk about women this week. We're going to talk about men next week. And so the second part of this two-part sermon is, will be next week. The Proverbs have good things to say about women, and they have some harsh things to say as well. A gracious woman attains honor, chapter 11 and verse 16. A wise woman builds her house, chapter 14 and verse 1. Rejoice in the wife of your youth, chapter 5 and verse 18. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, chapter 12 and verse 4. And a prudent wife is from the Lord. Chapter 19, and verse 14. But there are some harsh things said about women as well. As a ring of gold and a swine snout, so is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. Now that's, that's pretty harsh, isn't it? And yet, insightful. A constant dripping on a day of steady rain and a contentious woman are alike. Just that drip, 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 drip. Very much like a contentious woman. And so what do we want to do? Well, we, to become the kind of people that, that we strive to be, what God wants us to be, the very best version of ourselves, try to eliminate these negative qualities and, and enhance and build and develop the positive qualities. So that's what this is all about today. It's going to work through the passage and just try to pick up on and draw our attention to a few, uh, a few of the statements made. Let's start in the middle, verse 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. That seems to be a little bit strange in this passage, a little bit, bit out of place. It's talking about the woman is like this, and the woman does this, and the woman does that, and here's some great features in the woman and great qualities. And then all of a sudden he talks about her husband. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. What's that all about? You know, sometimes it's that center passage that's kind of the focal point of, of the passage. And, and if you keep in mind the fact that the book of Proverbs is sort of cast as a father giving advice to his son. Go all the way back and just almost at random look at especially these opening passages where you find the reader addressed as my son. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, chapter 2 and verse 1. My son, if you will receive my word, chapter 3 and verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching. Well, that might help us to see that in this verse, what the writer is saying, his name is Lemuel, by the way, what he's saying to his son is, if you want to be respected by your peers, if you want to be successful, if you want to achieve, if you want to sit in the gate of the city, that was the important place. If you want to be successful in life, 
You need to find a wife like this. So many times men are not looking for women like this and make huge mistakes in their lives. But if you want to be successful, if you want to have a good life, if you want the recognition of your peers, all of those things, you find yourself a wife like this. Now, we'll go back to the beginning. An excellent wife who can find, for her worth is far above jewels, the heart of her husband trusts in her. He'll have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. And again, just going to pick up on some ideas. The first one is, a woman of excellence is trustworthy. Her husband trusts in her. The discussion that follows in this passage explains why her husband can trust in her. But her husband trusts in her. What does it mean to trust in someone or to be trustworthy? He's able to rely on her, her to do what needs to be done in the family. He confides in her. He tells her his most closely guarded secrets. He tells her his plans, his hopes, his dreams, his fears, his worries, all of those things. And so he's, he's talking to her about all, these are his most closely guarded personal things about his life. And so he's confiding in her and sharing those with her, and he trusts her to do the right thing with that information, you know. It, it would be miserable to live with a wife you couldn't trust, wouldn't it? But that'd be miserable to, to go through life not knowing, well, look, can I share this with her? Can I not share that? Can I tell her about this? Can I confide in her my fears, my inadequacies, my mistakes? Is she going to go out there and tell everybody all this? You know, that would be a miserable existence. But an excellent wife, a woman of excellence, is, is trustworthy. What does it take to be a trustworthy person? It takes consistent trustworthiness. <laughs> Dependable, reliable, able to keep a confidence over a long period of time. And so we kind of have to earn that trust, don't we? And so we prove ourselves to be reliable, to be able to hold a confidence and not share it, not blab it all over the place. And so we, we prove that to our husband, to our wife, by being that kind of reliable, trustworthy person, not periodically or every now and then, but over a long period of time. And so here's a husband who knows that his wife is committed to doing what's good for her family. She does him good and not evil, you see. He knows that. She's committed to doing good for us, not evil. And so he's able to trust in her. She helps rather than hurts the family. She's not a problem that has to be dealt with. How many husbands think about their, that way to their, to their wives? She's a problem that I've got to deal with. Now, not, not this woman. She's not that. She helps solve problems and challenges rather than making problems and causing problems. She's not a danger or a potential hazard to the family. She does good. So he trusts her. He trusts her with his personal things. He trusts her to do what the family needs to have done. He trusts her. She's proven herself trustworthy throughout all, that, all this time. Well, we'll go on. Here's a long section of, of this passage, and uh, 
We're going to stay mainly in, the pa- in this passage today, not be flipping around to other places so much as we might usually do. But let's just read through this, beginning in verse 13. She looks for wool and flax, works with her hands in delight. She's like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it's night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hands grasp the spindle. So we'll stop right there. How would you characterize this section? I mean, there is a common theme that runs through it, I think. There's an idea highlighted here. She's a hard worker, (laughs) isn't she? she? She's a hard worker. She's willing to work for her family. Verse 27 says, she looks well to the ways of her household, does not eat the bread of idleness. And so really, that's, that summarizes this woman. She's totally committed to her family. She will do anything and everything her family needs her to do within the limits of godliness, I suppose we could say, and, and not, not think twice about it. In fact, she's glad to do it. Verse 13, she works with her hands in delight. She's happy to do it. And so whatever her family needs her to do, that's what she's going to do, and she's happy to do it. There are a few elements that we can highlight from this particular passage that have to do with her work. She works sacrificially. Verse 15, she rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household. The previous verse talks about her bringing food from afar like a merchant ship. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. And so she's providing for her family. She's providing clothing for her family. She's providing food for her family. And I don't know that women sew and do that kind of thing as much today as maybe they did at at that time. But you get the idea. Whatever her family needs and she can do it, she's going to do that to the very best of her ability. If she has to go like a ship and get food, she'll go and do it. And remember, she didn't drive to the grocery store in these days, most likely on foot, walking to the market or wherever it is that she acquired food, walking to the field, wherever it was, she went to get it. And she's like this ship that's bringing back the the goods. Verse 15, she rises while it is still night. And connect that with verse 18. And her lamp doesn't go out after dark. She's up before the sun comes up. And what's she doing? She's working to provide for her family. And she stays up after the sun goes down. And again, working to provide for her family. There's nothing that's too time-consuming or too inconvenient if her family needs it. It's the needs of her family that's paramount in her mind. You know, hard work is extolled in the Bible in the 12th chapter of the book of Proverbs. In verse 27, we read that the precious possession of a man is diligence. Or we could say a person. The precious possession of anyone is diligence. The willingness to work hard. And so that idea is extolled. It's praised in the Bible. She's not afraid of hard work. She's not a stranger to hard work. And so she she works sacrificially 
She's shrewd. She considers a field and buys it. And so she has a good head for business. She's able to manage her money and her income and, and, and use it to the benefit of the family. Now you can imagine this particular scene. And so she's going out to acquire food one day for her family. And she comes back home and she says, Hey, hon, I noticed that Mr. Smith has his field up for sale. <clears throat> now that's a good piece of property. It's going gonna, it's gonna to increase in value. There's lots of room there. You know, we could move there. We could raise our children. They'd have lots of room. That's, we need to think about that. In fact, I've been saving a little money. I've been putting some money aside from the linen garments I've been making and selling. And we've got the money. And we can take that money and we could buy that field and we could build us a house there. That'd be good for our family. You can, you can you kind of... Imagine that conversation. She considers a field and buys it. And with her earnings, she plants a vineyard. And so why is she planting a vineyard? Well, it's to help her family, of course. And then verse 17. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. Now, the writer is not demeaning petite women. <laughs> you know, he's not saying to be a woman of excellence, you've got to be a six-footer, you know, and... Big and physically strong. That, you know, that, that's nice. But, you know, a worthy woman can be a smaller woman as well. What he's saying is that she works to her full potential. She gets the most out of her ability. She rises to the occasion. She's willing to take on every challenge. She's a strong woman. Now, she might be small in stature, but she's strong. She rises to the occasion. She'll meet the challenge. She gets the most out of her ability. Now, that's a, an excellent woman. Well, you might see other things, things that I don't bring out here, but that, that's okay. It just uh, If I can stimulate your thinking, then I've, I've done my job. But let's go to the next section. Beginning in verse 20, she extends her hands to the poor. She stretches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of the snow for her household. All her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Now, there's a little bit different idea, isn't it? So up to this point in the previous section, we talk, emphasize her, her willingness to work and, and those kinds of things. And well, what she does as far as her work is concerned for her family. Now, now, now this, this focuses attention a little bit somewhere else. She extends her hand to the poor. And so she's generous, isn't it? isn't she? she? She's generous. And so she's aware not only of the needs of her family, but she's also aware of those around her who are in need. In fact, in verse 15, the very last part of that verse, she gives portions to her maidens. And so these may be women that, that work for her, maybe servants in her household. And so She's not only concerned about her husband and her children, but, but here are maidens. She makes sure that they have enough. And then there are others around her in the community. If they're poor, she does what she can to help them as well. All through the Bible, uh, there's an emphasis on helping the poor and generosity toward the poor. In uh, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 31, He who oppresses the poor taunts his maker, but he was gracious to the needy, 
honors him. And so the one who is gracious, gracious to the needy honors his maker, that is, honors God. Proverbs 19, verse 17, One who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his good deed. And so we, we could multiply that many times over. Go even into the New Testament. Do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. Galatians 6, 10, but, but you get the point. Being aware of the poor, being sensitive to the poor, doing what we can to alleviate the needs of the poor and address their situation is always encouraged throughout the Bible. And so we find it in this woman. She's also unafraid. Verse 21, she's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She's confident. She's optimistic. She's, she's not afraid. Verse 25 and verse, the, the second part of that verse, she smiles at the future. Or she, so she's optimistic. And, and the reason she can be optimistic is because she's faced challenges before and she's navigated those challenges successfully. She's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. Well, where did they get the scarlet? Well, they, she gave it to them, you know. And so she's faced difficult times before in the past. And so whatever comes, she knows that she will we'll handle this. We can handle it. We faced hard times before. So we, we shouldn't be afraid of that. We'll, we'll deal with it. And so she's unafraid. She's optimistic. Verse 30 says, a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. And so she fears the Lord. First of all, she understands the Lord is going to provide. And then... He's helped us through these situations. If it snows and we have a hard time, that'll be all right. We'll get through it. She's prepared because of her experience. She communicates this to her children. She's able to say to her children, don't be afraid. It's going to be all right. <laughs> I'm here. I'll take care of you. And so she's able to communicate that optimism and confidence to her children. Well, let's go a little bit further. Verse 20, 22. She makes coverings for herself. Her coverings fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates. We read that. Verse 24. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. Strength and dignity are her clothing. She smiles at the future. She opens her mouth in wisdom. The teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and doesn't eat the bread of idleness. She's, I'm not sure how to say this, but she's a contributor to the family, isn't she? And you see that in, uh, in verse 24. She makes linen garments and sells them. And so she's contributing. She's bringing some income into the family. Now, we know from our study in our, in our Bible class that a woman and wife's and mother's primary responsibility is in the home, isn't it? And so First uh, Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 says, women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. A little bit later, Paul says, I want younger women to marry to bear children and manage the household and so forth. So, so we know that a woman, a wife, and a mother's primary responsibility is, is in the home. But here we have this woman bringing in some income. And so, again, she uh, makes linen garments and, and sells them. But 
Is there a contradiction there? Well, not really. Uh, this woman is committed to the well-being of her family, so she contributes to its financial stability according to her ability, not to the neglect of her husband and children, but to help provide for them. Okay? So here's a woman. She's committed to her husband and to her children. And so she's not acting independently and become what we might call a, a career woman to the neglect of her husband and children. That's not what she's doing. My husband and my children could need some of the income that I'm able to bring in, and so she does it. See, whatever her family needs her to do, that's what she's willing to do. You remember Ruth, don't you? <laughs> what did Ruth do? Well, she, she told uh, her mother-in-law, Naomi, hey, I'm going to go out in the field and, and glean today. And so she goes to work gleaning to bring that into the family. That's not exactly the, the same ideas here, but it's, it's similar. Now, what we need to do in our culture is realize that it's our desire for more than we need that often drives the two-income family. It's our desire for more than we need. Now, I've got what we need, but I want more. You know, on a bigger house. I want a nicer car. I want better clothes. I want a more extravagant vacation. And so. It's, it's, it's not she goes to work to provide what we need. We've got what we need. It's we want more. And so that's not this woman. Well, there are some other qualities here. Again, her strength is mentioned in verse 17. But not just physical strength, but mental strength. She's determined. She's resolute. She's steadfast. She's stubborn but in a good way. <laughs> you know, I've said when we were raising our children that stubbornness is, can be a good quality. If we can just direct that stubbornness in the right way, well, now you got something. And so she's, she's strong. She, she's not going to yield easily. She's resolute. She's determined, stubborn about the right things and in a good way. So, so she's strong. Ruth, again, provides a good illustration of that. You remember when Naomi wanted Ruth uh, to, to, to go back home. Naomi is going to go back to Bethlehem. She wants Ruth and Orpah to go back home. Remember, now, Ruth said, no, no way. <laughs> no way I'm leaving. Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I'll lodge. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God, I'm not leaving you. And so she does. She's strong. She's a strong woman. And that's what we find in this woman. She possesses dignity and honor and nobility. Verse, verse 29, many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. We, we see here strength and dignity are her clothing. And so she's dignified. She possesses honor and nobility. And so she rises above what's common and coarse and profane. Remember in Psalm, the, the eighth Psalm, verse six, God crowned man with glory and honor. Is that, that word honor? That's this word. God crowned him with honor, with dignity. And so that's, this woman possesses that quality. God crowns the king with splendor and majesty or honor or dignity. The 21st Psalm in verse five. This is exactly, if you look at Isaiah 53, 
This quality is exactly what Jesus did not have. Uh, he has no stately form or majesty that we should look on Him. And so when He comes to earth, He doesn't have that, that appearance, you know, that nobility. He doesn't appear in that fashion. appears in humility. And this woman, she's the queen of the house. And she carries herself with dignity and nobility and honor. She rises above the common and coarse and profane. And so, she smiles at the future. She possesses wisdom. She opens her mouth with wisdom. Now, sometimes people need to keep their mouths closed. <laughs> you know, this woman, when she opens her mouth, she opens her mouth with wisdom. When she speaks, she speaks with wisdom. Now, what is wisdom? Well, it's the ability to, provide, to uh, apply the knowledge that we've acquired. And so she's acquired a lot of knowledge. We, we, we live in the information age. We, we, it's not, there's information all around us, but wisdom is the ability to take that information and apply it in an effective way to life. The Proverbs were written to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. When she says has something to say, you can, you can count on it. It's going to be useful. It's going to be wise. She has genuine insight into how to live a good life. First of all, you fear the Lord. She sees things the way they truly are. And she knows this from her experience and observation. She's paying attention to life. <laughs> She's not just going through life, just coasting through, not giving anything any thought. She's thinking about life. She's learning from her experiences, her successes as well as her failures. She's watching what's going on around her. And so from that experience and observation, she acquires wisdom. She exercises good judgment. Maybe slow to speak, slow to wrath, but swift to hear. She teaches her children. She opens her mouth. And so no doubt she's teaching her children drawing on this well of wisdom. But sometimes in her wisdom, she corrects her husband. <laughs> that, that'd be a wise thing to do sometimes, wouldn't it? To correct your... Now she does it in the appropriate way, no doubt. But that's just drawing on her wisdom. You know, for a wife to defend, to defend her husband when he's wrong, <laughs> that's not a good thing. But she's able to take him aside and talk to him. And from her wisdom... Show him where he can do better. And so you see, he's able to trust her, isn't he? Because in his experience, she has true insight. She uses good judgment. She can guide us in the right way. And then there's kindness. Some versions might say faithful instruction or loving instruction. Kindness pertains to the way we do what? We, we treat other people. That's what kindness is. It pertains to the way we treat others. Gentleness, compassion, tenderness, courtesy, thoughtfulness, generosity, benevolence. All of that rolled into to one is kindness. We were in our sin, but when the kindness of God appeared, He sent His Son into the world. And so God is kind. That's Titus chapter 3 and verse 4. You know, there are some people very knowledgeable, very committed, but you wouldn't say they're kind. And so that's a quality we need to develop. 
Well, let's bring all this to a conclusion. The last section says, Her children rise up and bless her. Her husband also, he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. Now this is an interesting conclusion to me. Her, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her, her husband also, he praises her. Now these are the people that know her the best. <laughs> they see her in the home every day. And they, they see her at her best, they see her at her worst. They see her when she's in a good mood, they see her when she's in a bad mood. They, they see it all, you know. Yeah, you, you can kind of hide your bad qualities from people for a while, but in the home, our, our husband, our, our children, they're, they're, gonna see, they're gonna see it all. And yet, her children rise up and bless her. Her husband, the same. Oh, many daughters have done nobly, but you're, you're, you're the best of them all. You excel them all. There's no difference between her when she's behind closed doors at home and when she's in public. That's something we can work on as well. And in the last verse, the author calls for a public recognition of her worthiness. Give her props, you know. <laughs> give, give, give her the product of her hands. You, you, you just got to give her the credit that she deserves. And so she call, he calls on a public recognition of her worthiness. Now, in the beginning, he, he uh, suggests that a woman like this is not common. An excellent wife who can find a son. If you want to be a success, if you want to have praise from your peers, you want all that, find you a wife like this. Now, it's not common. I mean, who can find? But, but it's not impossible to find. And what we want to do this morning is encourage our women, maybe especially the younger women, to think, you know, that's the kind of woman that I want to be. I, I want to be a woman like this. And you know, have, have the recognition from my husband, from my children, and from God as well. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we're thankful for the occasion. We're thankful for this opportunity we have to meet together and to worship you. And we pray that what we've done today has been pleasing to you. Father, we, we see the challenge that's set before us this morning. It's a very high standard that you call us to. And Father, we pray that we will devote ourselves and commit ourselves to being as diligent as we can to, to meet that standard, to develop these qualities. Father, we pray today for our women, especially for our young women, as they're developing their, their character. We pray that they will find in a passage like this um, a challenge, a goal, to reach, to strive for. Father, we know that you call us to a very high standard, but not an impossible one. And Father, we pray that we'll find a way to develop these qualities in ourselves so that we can be of benefit to you and to our families. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.